patient with us as we ministered to people in the altar today. Uh, but I was driving down the road one day, and this car pulled out in front of me. There was no way I could avoid it. Um, you know, it was going to be a collision. And, uh, and I remember just, um, just in that moment saying just as loud as I could say without screaming, Jesus! And I wasn't taking the Lord's name in vain. I was calling on the name of the only power there was to help me. And listen, I don't remember turning the steering wheel. I don't remember doing anything, but I went around that car. And you know, nothing in me wanted to say, Buddha! Nothing in me wanted to say Allah because there's no power in those names. There's no power in those names. There's only power in the name of Jesus. And listen, you need to get him in your heart so that in those moments, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when the mouth speaks, it changes situations and circumstance because it creates a new atmosphere for us to dwell in. Amen? Amen. I want to, uh, I want to start a brand new series. It's going to go a couple of weeks. I don't know. We're going to go to we're finished. I'm going to talk to you uh, on the title of King and Country. King and Country. We got uh, elections coming up in November. Amen? And um, sometimes we wrestle as believers with exactly how we fit into um, the, the political system because there always seems to be tension. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter which side you follow. There always seems to be some kind of tension there. Now, this is not going to be, um, especially today, this is not going to be what maybe you expect when I say politics um, because I want to really set the stage um, so that you have an understanding of what that means to us as believers. Amen? Uh, so give me just a, a few minutes um, to get wound up, and then once I get wound up, we'll have a good time. Amen? But let me get my engine cranked, and then we'll, we'll get there. Um, if you got a Bible, go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I want you to underline that, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Father, we thank you for your word. It's the only change agent on the face of this planet. And I pray right now that at the very fabric of our being, you change us. Lord, that you speak life into us. That you mold us and shape us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Now, when we talk about, um, when we talk about politics, we talk about those things. And a lot of times when we rationalize things, um, we want to use um, the Old Testament and Israel as the example of that. But I want to go ahead and tell you that we can't use the Old Testament in Israel um, because that the, the, the Israeli people, the Hebrew people, um, interacted differently with God than Gentile nations interact with God. They weren't just a nation. They were the people of God, and it was the people of God and only the people of God that made up the nation of Israel. So their laws were overtly spiritual in nature because they were a spiritual people. 
okay? America, even though founded on Christian principles, we are not the same nation that Israel was because we're made up of a vast number of different kinds of people. So as we look at that, we have to understand where you and I belong in this whole grand scheme of things. And here in this passage um, in 1 Peter, something is revealed to us that nationalizes or brings together our kingdom citizenship. Um, if you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, if you've repented, you've turned from those things, then Jesus is your Lord. You were born again, and you were part of what First uh, Peter says is a holy, and then he uses the word nation. A holy nation. A group of people governed by like laws and ideals. A group of people that God has called together from the four corners of the earth, and even though we're separated by geography, we're part of the same holy nation. That we have certain laws that govern our activity, govern our behaviors, and there are keepers of those laws. Um, there are repercussions for violating those laws, um, some visible, some invisible, some now, some later. Come on, somebody. But there are certain laws and an order in which we follow that governs this um, loosely gathered, because we are loosely gathered, we're separated all over the world, loosely gathered nation that is still completely functional as a nation. And inside of this, each one of us holds dual citizenship because we are a citizen of the kingdom of God Yet many of us are citizens of another country as well. And as we begin to, to understand the scope of this, we, you have to resolve in your heart. Everybody look at me. Look at me. <clears throat> you have to resolve in your heart. You can't leave here and say, oh, pastor said... It's not going to help you in this dilemma you find yourself in many times. You got you, you to gotta come to the realization and, and the actualization of which citizenship means more to you. Let me say it again. You have to decide which citizenship Belong, you belong more to or which has a bigger part of you or all of you. You have to come to that place because that is the starting place for every decision you make from this moment on. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this statement, and I know I'm getting an email over this, but it's okay. Probably you can still make it to heaven if you're more American than you are kingdom. Because the prerequisite for heaven is that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you repent of your sins and even a loose assimilation to Him is more powerful than the anything that the enemy can hold you to. But you have to decide because that's what matters when we talk about political standing and political affiliation and, and how we interact with politics and the way our country runs is that who are we first and who are we second because they can't live at the same place. They can't live on equal ground. God refuses to allow them to live 
on equal ground. If they live on equal ground, then he is not first. Let's keep reading because Peter, uh, he establishes this here. He establishes that, okay, you're a nation. And then just a few verses later, he begins to make some qualifications because he knew this was going to create tension in people's lives. Let me make a statement of leadership here. Not all tensions in your life are meant to be solved. Let me say that again. Not all tensions in your life are meant to be solved. We want to live outside of tension, but there are some tensions in your life that will always be there, and they are good because they keep us grounded and completely focused on what the Lord wants us to be focused on. Tension is not a bad thing when it exists as we push against the realities of the world and we embrace the supernatural being of Jesus. So he goes on in just a few verses later, and he begins to qualify what he's talking about, or not qualify, but then he begins to give us another glimpse into the realities of, of our dual citizenship. In 1 Peter, starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of, the, of, of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praises of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the king. Here, Paul begins to, or Peter begins to, to write, and he begins to, to say, okay, you're a holy nation, but you're a holy nation, but there are some, some man-made things that, that, that I'm requiring you to do too. And, and I want to point out, put that last verse of Scripture back up. Just I want to clarify because... Um, I want you to, uh, well, never mind. Y'all got it in all caps. Uh, that king is not capitalized in the text. It's not talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's talking about the rulers that be over our lives here on earth. And Paul says, listen, you've got to be subject to them. You've got to even honor the king because that's the godly thing to do because God sets authorities over us that he puts those rulers into place. And throughout Scripture, we've seen wicked rulers and good rulers. Throughout history, right here in our country, we've seen good rulers and wicked rulers. We've seen some that were smart and some not so much. We've seen ones that struggled to grasp anything and one that seemed to make every right decision to position this land that we love in places of prosperity. And we look at this passage of Scripture and there's easy to find conflict in these passages of Scripture because are we a holy nation that, that, that only thrives on the things of God or do we have to obey the laws of the land? And when the laws of the land conflict, uh-oh, when the laws of the land conflict with who we are as kingdom citizens, how do we reconcile that and how do we deal with that? How do, how do those things play out 
in our lives. And here in America, we actually have it a lot easier than in some places of the world because at least we have the power to vote against those things that stand in opposition to what we believe. Even if you go and you cast a vote and your official doesn't win, you have still casted a vote and thus stated your opposition to the way that things are. But in some places, how do you reconcile this when you have no say? How do you reconcile if you live in a dictatorship when, you, when, when everything is oppressive and, and, and you can't reconcile it because you don't have a way to vote against those things? H- how does that play out in, in their lives? I, I want to I just take this opportunity right now to say, you need to vote. I'm not being political in any way. You need to vote because it is an opportunity you have to weigh in on the decision-making process. And as believers, we should be the architects of culture, not subject to it. And if we're not doing everything we can to shape culture and mold culture into what we feel it should be and what it needs to be, then we're not being architects of culture. We're just living in subjection to culture. It's our opportunity to to pave out the path that lies ahead of us. And he says, hey, you know what? But you you, you need to honor the king. You need to, to obey the laws of the land. So it's settled, right, Ernie? It's settled, man. We just you just do what they tell you to do and you keep your head down and you don't say, and then we go to church on Sundays and we lift our hands and then we go to small group and we complain about the president and it's just the way it is. Bless God, it's just the way it is and it's the way it's always gonna be, and sometimes we'll be able to yay, and sometimes we'll boo, and it's just the way it is. After all, as believers, um, you know, we're the minority in this thing anyway. We just have to, we just have to put up with it because we're supposed to turn the other cheek. Acts chapter 16, verse 35. Now, this is Paul writing. I mean, no, this is Luke writing, but it's talking about Paul. It says, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the officer saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. Literally say, listen, you need to leave and not say anything about it. Don't cause a stir. How many of you feel that sometimes the world or the government at large just speaks to us and says, listen, don't go cause a stir. We're not going to do anything to you, but just keep your mouth shut about things you don't like because after all, you're supposed to do what the law of the land says. So the keeper of the prison, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? Now, first of all, I want you to understand what he's mad about. He's not actually mad about getting beaten. He's mad about the fact they're letting him out of prison 
and they're doing it secretly so that everybody can't see the fact that God has intervened. He's mad that they're letting him out of prison because he wants it to be a spectacle because he wants God to get the glory for what's happening. Never once does he say he's mad that he got beat because he understands that the things they were doing were actually in opposition to the way the government wanted them to happen, and he expected persecution. Church, expect persecution. Expect it. Understand that it's coming because Jesus said it was. In the last days, persecutions will come. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus is not a liar. He told us it was coming. He says, listen, don't complain about the persecution. Complain when they don't allow the miraculous part of it to be seen. But Paul said to them, they've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. He said, tell them to come down here. Come out of the government building and come down here because people need to know what's happening. And the officers told these words to the magistrates. Now look at this. And they, the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. When they heard that they were people just like them. Not this construct of words and verbiage that makes somebody seem like something they're not. Not this, this ideology that these people oppose everything that's good and everything that's healthy and everything that's, that's positive. But they realized that they belonged just like everybody else. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So when they went out of the prison, they entered the house of Lydia. By the way, they didn't leave the city. Lydia lived in the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So Paul said, listen, you need to, you need to subject yourself to the laws of the land and then he turn, or Peter says you need to, to, to submit yourself to the laws of the land. And then Paul turns around and says, hey, 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 but when it's in opposition to the things of God, not so fast. Because God is working and moving in every situation and every circumstance. And for every bad thing that happens, God is going to do something equally and greater good on the other side of it. So as we feel the pressure, there is also a release of freedom. As there is a disagreement, there is also an agreement somewhere. It's why throughout history, every time the church has, traced, has faced true persecution, revival has come. Throughout history, every time the church is truly persecuted. Now let me tell you what's not persecution. I'm not talking about 
Somebody said something mean about you on Facebook. That's not, that's not persecution. I, I'm not talking about the fact that you got a speeding ticket because you were running late for church. Not persecution. Not persecution. Persecution is when you're penalized beyond natural measures because of what you believe and who you stand for. Persecution. He says, listen, when when things begin to get in the way of the natural plan of God, that's when we have to stand up and say, no, indeed. Not yet. Not now. We will not lay down and we will not be quiet because there is a time for things and the time for things now is the plan of God. When we look at forceful, disagreeable conflict. Now listen, first of all, I'm actually glad that would have probably just got us dinged off Facebook if we were live. When I say forceful, I don't mean storming anything. But I mean not compliant. When we look at compliance, every time there is a conflict, you have to understand who is the rebellious party and who is the absolute party. If a state decides to press back against federal oversight, then the state is the rebellious party. If a city decides to rebel against the state, then the city is the rebellious party because they are the powers that be. They existed first and they have greater influence and greater oversight. And rebellion throughout Scripture is wrong. But if we have dual citizenship, and we belong both to the kingdom of God and to the United States of America or whatever country you are a citizen of, and there is something happening that violates our principles as believers. We have the obligation, like Paul did, to stand up and say, no, indeed, because the kingdom of God is greater than any country on the face of the planet. He is the one that establishes the rule of order. He is the one that establishes the rule of law. He is the great oversight. He is the one that breathes life. He is the one that gives protection. He's the one that gives provision. He is the one that does those things. So when any inferior government opposes a superior government, it is the inferior government that is actually in rebellion and opposition against the greater. So by us standing up and saying these principles violate the principles of God, And listen, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm not going. Now, first of all, let me just go ahead and say that right now in our country, there are no laws that force you. Hear me. There are no laws that force you. Say me. There are no laws that force you 
to violate kingdom principles? Are there laws that violate kingdom principles? Yeah, absolutely. But they don't force you to do it. Sometimes you don't like the truth, but the truth is the truth no matter whether we like it or not. Is abortion still a thing? Yes. Does it violate kingdom principles? But you don't have to do it. Same-sex marriage, does it violate kingdom principles? But do you have to do it? So hold on just a second. I just want to clarify what you're saying. Jeremy doesn't have to marry a man. Right? Yeah, don't do it, Jeremy. There are, there are certain things that we become agitated about, but the laws of the land are created in such a way that it doesn't force us to do it. Now, can they come to that place? Absolutely. Are they headed to that place? Absolutely. But we're not there yet. Is there a day coming very soon when what I just said from this pulpit will get me in trouble? Yes, and it's coming very soon. That's why we are right now putting money in reserve to bail me out of jail every week. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. We don't really have that fun, but maybe we should look into it. Put that on the agenda for the next board meeting, Terry. Uh, <clears throat> we're coming to that place. So what is our role? Our role is to be kingdom citizens first and help guide America into the right place and in the right direction through every tool at our disposal because the time of absolute rebellion is not because they're not forcing us to do anything that violates God's principles. What it is our responsibility to do is every place there is opportunity for evangelism because the laws of the land cross that line is that we insert ourselves and find a way to win those people that are far from God that are participating in activities that cross across those boundary lines. Listen, I've always said, and I will continue to say, if we want abortion done away with in America, we'll just simply go evangelize all the abortion doctors. If you want to stop immorality, immorality can't be legislated out because then it's just a modification of behavior. God doesn't look at behavior. He looks at heart. Our goal is not modification of behavior. Our goal is transformation of the heart. <laughs> to deal with the issue of racism. You don't deal with behavior, you deal with the issue of the heart. Racism is dislike, born out of hate because of something that's uncontrollable by the other person. Prejudice also needs to be dealt with because prejudice is not born out of hate, it's born out of fear because there's a not, not an understanding or an unknown or, hey, it's just always been that way. Prejudice has to go as well. We have to lead the way with transformation of the heart. 
our response to everything governmental that crosses the faith line is always transformation of the heart to the affected. Because the world swings this pendulum way to extremes, way to one side and way to the other side. And listen, if you can't tell that by watching the news or just being on Facebook, if you can't tell there's two opposing extremes in our country right now, you are blind. And they're wielding this giant blade that swings this way and then that way and then this way and that way. And guess what? If you're the one standing on the extremes, you're not injured because the pendulum loses momentum. And at that point of pause, that's the extreme. And then it's pushed with great force the other way. And at the moment of lost momentum before the change of direction, that's the other extreme. And you're safe when you're standing at the extremes. But the people that are in the middle are beaten and bruised and cut every single day as that blade swings from extreme to extreme to extreme to extreme. And that's who we are called to reach the hurting, broken people that society has crushed and they've lost hope and they don't know where to look, we have the answer for that and his name is Jesus. So it's not our job to stand at the extremes. It's our job to stand in the middle on the battlefield, mending the hurt, broken, wounded people of society until we come to the place where we have to stand up and say, no, indeed. But we're not at no indeed yet. Are we? I'm frustrated most days. Are we at I don't like that most days? But what we like is irrelevant as we balance what Scripture says about the way we interact with government. Your tool right now is your vote. Listen to what Matthew chapter 22 says. Matthew chapter 22, verse 17 says, Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, this is Jesus weighing in. This is Jesus weighing in on the topic. We've heard what Peter said. seen what Paul said. Now, let's see what Jesus says about it, because when we talk about taxes, we definitely talk about the government. Two things are sure, the rapture and taxes. I believe as taxes go up, the rapture gets nearer. At least that's what I'm praying anyway. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. They were trying to trap him because government has always been used as a trap for the kingdom of God. And this is why. Because God's people have always still looked for the government to save them. And the government can't save you. Only Jesus can. I'm sorry, I got passionate about that. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. You got a dollar bill? A hundred will work. 
a quarter. <clears throat> he just gave it to me. I mean, so he said, Whose image and inscription is this? Who's, whose image is on that money? Well, this is one of our founding fathers, representational of the government. They gave him a dollar. Jesus looked at it. He said, huh. They said to him, Caesar's government image. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He said, listen, you're, you're asking me a question about interacting with the government, and this is what I say. Um, if it bears the image of the government, render it unto Caesar. In other words, if it's not violating my principles, do what you should do. Come on, somebody. Y'all are awful quiet today. I don't know if I'm preaching bad or y'all getting it. I don't know. You can have this back, or you can give it to me. Well, that's like 30 minutes work for Jeremy. He said, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, now these were the people that were trying to trap him. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. When he looked at him and said, okay, here's the deal. If it belongs to Caesar, give it to Caesar. If it's got Caesar's image on it, it belongs to Caesar's. But if it's got God's image on it, give it to God. I'm about to go somewhere. Uh, the band can come and get ready because we're about to jump in there and then Holy Spirit's about to move. People are going to get free today. He said, give it to Caesar if it belongs to Caesar. If it's got his image on it, go ahead and give it to him. Don't complain. Listen, do I like paying taxes? No. I'm going to go even further than that. Do I like driving 65 in a 65? No. If we were supposed to drive 65, we should have kept horses. Because I don't think I could get one to go faster than that. There are a lot of things I don't like. But they're the governments. So I give them to the government. I forgot Lexi uh, at school one day. I know. I know. I'm sitting in my office in a meeting. And, and I looked down at the clock. And I don't remember who I was meeting with, but it was not like a staff meeting. It was like a pastoral meeting. And, and I looked down at my clock, and I realized what time it was. 
and I jumped up and just ran out of my office. I didn't say bye. I didn't say what was going on. I just left the person sitting on the other side of my desk, and I jumped in my truck, and I took off down Winder Highway. And right after I got past my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house, I saw him, and it was too late. So I just pulled over on the side of the road and waited. And he came around and he said, uh, hey, do you know how fast you were going? And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, do you? He said, yes, I do. I said, I have a good idea. He said, yeah, I knew you were going fast when you were passing the cars in the left-hand lane. And they were going fast enough to get a ticket. And I said, well, I forgot my, forgot my daughter at school. I'm on my way to get her, so I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I use the words, I'm guilty. So the faster you write, the slower I can drive the rest of the way. He said, well, I tell you, no, listen, he said, I tell you what. Now, first of all, I'd already invited him to church by this time. He said, I tell you what, Pastor. He said, go pick up your daughter and um, come back and I'll write you the ticket. I said, well, I'd rather you write me the ticket now because I don't really want her to see that. So she's okay. They got her at the school. So he wrote me the ticket. I invited him to church and I thanked him. I didn't get mad. I didn't mouth off. I was guilty. I broke a law of the land that did not violate kingdom principles. Now, I violated a kingdom principle by not being there to pick up my daughter from school on time. I failed the parent test. It wasn't the officer's fault, right? Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But give unto God what is God's. I want to tell you that you are made in the image of God. That's who you are. You are God's likeness and image. And if the symbol of Caesar is what brings things to the ownership of Caesar, then the image of God is what brings things into the ownership of God. And if God your creator and your owner and he wants to use us as a tool of good even facing some things we don't like should we not be willing to face some things we don't like should we not be willing to stand and say this is the kingdom of God but What they're saying can be done, I don't have to do. So I'm always going to stand for the kingdom of God and I'm going to live out a testimony and I'm going to do those things, but it's not time to yes indeed yet. Church, there is a community at stake outside those doors. Lives. Souls. 68,000 within a very small circle around this building. 
And that number's going up every day. We have an opportunity to do things, to see things that we've never had the opportunity to do and see before. To evangelize at a pace that has been almost impossible in our area before because God is bringing people near us. But we have to get off the offense wagon and stop being so mad about the things that are that we can't be the thing that needs to be. Is it okay to disagree? You need to disagree. But you can't be so consumed with your disagreement. Listen to me. You can't be so consumed with your disagreement that it renders your witness ineffective to the people around you. Because those people you're blasting on Facebook have a soul. Those people that, 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 that don't see things the way we see things, they have a soul. They're in need of a Savior. There are people who see things exactly. I was going to save this for next week, but let me just go ahead and do it. There are people who believe things exactly the same way you believe things politically. They are conservative to the hilt and they believe exactly the way you believe and they still need a savior because just because you're conservative doesn't make you a Christian let's don't let our politics dictate our spirituality let's let our spirituality dictate our politics people first people first people first people first people first. Do you know how we'll know if we're people first? That this month, and it did, our food pantry broke a record and fed more people than it's ever fed before. And we broke a record that our food pantry set last month. You know how we're serving people? That we baptize people when we get together on Sunday mornings. Do you know how we're people first? that instead of an argument, we encourage. That instead of selfishness, we're selfless. That instead of being dictated by prejudice, hate, and difference, we come together with our likeness so we can build relationships to lead people to a grace collision with Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior. coming up in November we've laid the foundation next week gonna tell you who to vote for <laughs> buckle up I'm just kidding I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for well I actually am I just probably won't call him by name but church, today, 
the day where you let go of your hurt feelings, of your agitations, of those things that get you worked into such a frenzy that you don't have the ability to look past the difference to the soul that's hurting and broken. Today is that day for you. And listen, this is why. Because Jesus needs you in the fight. Don't miss the word I used. Jesus needs you in the fight. Why? Because he chooses to work through you. One thing I'm going to have a long conversation about with the Lord after the rapture is I want a private place. I need him and I to sit down and I'm going to need to say, why did you choose to use people? There was a much more efficient way for you to do this. I'll probably draw it on a whiteboard if he has one. And he's going to look at me. He's going to say, yeah, but I love y'all. Don't know why. But I'm just so passionately in love with y'all that I just chose to use you. I just just can't get enough of y'all. I mean, I, I suffered separation from you. I didn't speak to you for 400 years. Then the only way to reconcile that was to die for you. And it's the best thing I ever did because I love you so much. And if Jesus loves you that much and he loves your neighbor that much, shouldn't you learn to love your neighbor too? Everybody stand with me. If you're here today, and over the course of this time we've had together, I don't know, the Holy Spirit's moved your heart. And you've realized that you've that you've been whipped into anger. And you've acted out and done some things or cut off some things out of anger that you shouldn't have. Today's your day to repent of those things. Maybe your heart hasn't been as open to to the world around you and those that are not like you. The Lord's revealed that to you today and today you say, hey, I want the Lord to open my heart to people that are not like me at all so that I can reach them. Paul says, I become all things to all men that I may reach some. He didn't say that I I become all things to all men that I may reach all of them because he knew that you're supposed to reach some too. So if you're here and you're ready to let go some anger and some frustration, some worry so that you can be used first as a kingdom citizen to grow the kingdom of God. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to make your way out of those chairs. And I want you to come here and lift your hands and begin to worship. Pastor Gary's going to bring the prayer team. We're going to pray for you. We're going to worship. 
maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You've never asked him to be your savior. Or maybe you you did that, but you've allowed sin to come between that relationship, between you and him, and you want to give that back. You You want to get rid of that mess. You want to be clean and new today. Today you want to surrender your life to Jesus. comes to you, I want you to, to look at him and, you, and say, I, I want to be saved today. We all need it. The Lord found me bound with alcoholism and drug use. I feel like Paul when he says, sinners and I was their chief and he found me in that dorm room he covered me with his mercy you're not too far gone you're exactly where you need to be right now to experience his grace so on the count of three if that's you make your way to the front one Step out and move right now. Where are you? Come on. Come on. You want to let go of that animosity and that anger. That blinding rage that you have seen. Listen, I know it's hard to let go of. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. Because you've made it your identity. Let your identity be found in Christ. Come on. Come on. Where are you? Step out and let go of that, that thing that's holding you back from reaching the world. Come on, come on.